Good morning, Alex and friends. I'm Connie. Today is Wednesday, September 27th, 2023, and you're listening to Alex's News. In your weather update, Riverside can expect highs and lows fluctuating between 89.8 and 64.0 degrees today. Now let's dive into today's headlines. There is an uproar in the corporate world with Amazon standing accused of monopolistic practices, a lawsuit freshly filed by FTC and states. On the political front, a government shutdown is looming as the Senate and House clash over differing funding approaches. Exciting astronomical news on the horizon as the awe-inspiring 2023 annular solar eclipse is set to sweep across North and South America. Finally, we see a light at the end of the tunnel as the Hollywood writer's strike winds down. However, production resumption may still be a hiccup away with actors continuing their strike. All this and more coming up on Alex's News. We start your morning off with a massive lawsuit facing Amazon. According to several reports, among them NPR, New Hampshire Public Radio, and Politico, the Federal Trade Commission, alongside 17 states across the country, have hit the online giant with claims of abusing its market power. Elias, can you shed some light on what exactly is happening here? Absolutely, Connie. The lawsuit alleges that Amazon is wielding its considerable power in the online marketplace to stifle competition and manipulate prices in its favor. The FTC is arguing that Amazon penalizes sellers who offer their products at lower prices on other platforms, and it places pressure on them to use Amazon's own delivery service. This legal battle is anticipated to be a long one possibly lasting several years. And how exactly does Amazon allegedly pressure these sellers into compliance? According to Politico, Amazon is alleged of running a somewhat calculated campaign to edge out its competitors in the online retail space. They supposedly punish vendors who sell merchandise at lower prices on other platforms, obstruct investigations into their practices, and allegedly use a price surveillance team to smother price competition. There's also mention of creating less attractive search results for those customers that don't play into their advertising model, thus leading to more expensive products. Right, and this lawsuit isn't falling on deaf ears. This actually follows a broader pattern of scrutiny against major tech corporations, correct? You're right, Connie. Concerns over the immense power and influence of these tech behemoths, including Amazon, have been growing and receiving more attention. This lawsuit is one of the more prominent moves suggesting regulators are starting to take action. So what could be the potential implications or consequences if the lawsuit succeeds? That's an important question, Connie. If the lawsuit is successful, It could trigger sweeping changes to Amazon's business model and practices. It could potentially lead to the end of policies that have so much control over third-party sellers on its platform, which in turn could lower retail prices and offer more competitive rates across online marketplaces. And what are some of the other perspectives on this issue? Well, an interesting point to note in this entire saga 
is a poll by Chamber of Progress, which is funded by Amazon and other tech companies. 61% of the American voters they sampled believe that government should not regulate Amazon's monopoly practices. On the flip side, there are those who argue that breaking up Amazon's monopoly will lead to more competition and a focus on product quality over a willingness to pay Amazon's fees. And what's Amazon's response to this lawsuit? Amazon has argued that the FTC has strayed from its mission of protecting consumers and fostering competition. They maintain that their business practices have actually spurred competition and have expanded shopping choices for both sellers and consumers. This legal battle is just shaping up. Now, as always, Elias, we appreciate your insightful analysis. I'm always glad to bring some clarity to these complex stories, Connie. Thanks for having me on. And we'll continue to follow this developing story closely. This was just story one of four on our morning docket, so there's more local and global news to come. Stay tuned. Let's dive into story two today, folks. It seems like we're facing the potential for a government shutdown here in the United States. Lawmakers from the U.S. Senate and House of Representatives seem to be on divergent paths when it comes to funding the government. To help us understand what's going on, we have our esteemed reporter and political analyst, Grace, with us. Grace, can you break down the current situation for us? Certainly, Connie. The Senate has voted to start discussing a bipartisan bill. This bill would fund the government up until November 17th and includes funding for both domestic disaster responses and aid for Ukraine. However, in the Republican-majority House, they're charging ahead with a partisan approach that incorporates conservative priorities that many think won't get traction in the Democratic-majority Senate. It sounds like the divide between the two chambers is quite significant, Grace. If they can't find common ground, what are the implications? If there's no agreement, Connie, we might see the U.S. government entering into its fourth shutdown in a decade. There's also a concern around the credibility of the U.S. government's creditworthiness, with Moody's, the credit rating agency, voicing its concerns. This could threaten the previously agreed discretionary spending for the fiscal year set at $1.59 trillion. Quite alarming. Conventionally, what impact does a government shutdown have on the citizens? A government shutdown can have far-reaching consequences, Connie. Hundreds of thousands of federal workers could be furloughed and a number of services may be suspended. We're talking passport services, small businesses, nutrition assistance programs, and even mail delivery. Plus, sectors like the military, our national parks and monuments are also likely to be impacted. The situation indeed seems reminiscent of what we've seen previously with government shutdowns. How frequently have they been happening, and what effects have they had? Since 1980, we've seen several instances of government shutdowns, which happened due to Congress failing to approve funding for federal agencies. These shutdowns impacted the economy and federal workers and lasted anywhere from a few days to over a month. We have noticed 
they're happening somewhat more often in recent years, causing considerable financial losses and interruptions to government services. Obviously, there are growing concerns. Who is expressing their worry? And what specific problems could arise as a result of a shutdown? Connie, concerns have been raised by the Department of Justice, the American Legion, and again, Moody's. The Department of Justice warns of potential national security implications. Moody's declares it would downgrade the U.S. credit if a shutdown occurs. What are federal workers doing to prepare for the possible shutdown and its potential aftermath? Federal workers remember the financial challenges and uncertainty that comes with being furloughed. They are bracing themselves for financial hardships, trying to scout out food banks and sources of support, even thinking about tapping into retirement funds if needed. This situation seems to have political implications as well, correct? Absolutely, Connie. The current shutdown talks are factoring into the 2024 presidential election. Donald Trump, former president and a front-runner for the Republican nomination, seems to support a shutdown. On the other hand, hardliners are demanding spending cuts that make up only a fraction of the total U.S. budget, not even touching popular benefit programs like Social Security and Medicare. It indeed is a very complicated situation. Thanks, Grace, for providing us with such an insightful analysis of the potential government shutdown. Let's hope for a solution that will minimize the impact on those dependent on government services. We move on to our third story of the day, a celestial spectacle that's slated to grace the skies across parts of the United States next month. As NPR has reported, an annular solar eclipse is set to take place in October. For this, we have our specialist correspondent Elias on the line. Elias, could you tell us more about this remarkable astronomical event? Absolutely, Connie. An annular solar eclipse happens when the moon is at its farthest point from the Earth, looking smaller in the sky, which results in a ring of fire or black circle effect on the sun, this particular eclipse will be visible in several states, including Oregon, California, Nevada, Utah, Arizona, Colorado, New Mexico, and Texas, starting at 913 a.m. PDT in Oregon and ending at 12. That should be a sight to see. What other places will have a good vantage point of this eclipse? Good question, Connie. Alongside the U.S. belt, the eclipse promises a grand show in Mexico and parts of South and Central America, too. According to the NASA Solar System Exploration data, the eclipse will venture across North, Central, and South America on October 14, 2023. Its path will also pass over countries in Central America like Guatemala, Belize, Honduras, Nicaragua, and Panama. Then, down in South America, it will be visible in Colombia and northern Brazil before eventually ending at sunset in the Atlantic Ocean. Sounds like a global show. But Elias, for people interested in watching this unique event, are there any precautions they should take? Absolutely, Connie. The most vital thing to remember is safety. NASA advises viewers to use proper eye protection while observing the eclipse, this could be solar viewing glasses or handheld solar viewers, 
And remember, never look directly at the sun without proper safety equipment, even during an eclipse, as it could cause serious eye damage. That's really valuable advice, Elias. But finally, could there be any implications or consequences due to this annular eclipse? Well, Connie, while solar eclipses are often attention-grabbing, their effects are primarily scientific, rather than impactful, on everyday life. However, they do offer astronomers unique opportunities to study the sun's outer atmosphere, or corona, enhancing our understanding of the sun's activity, including its interactions with Earth. Though annular eclipses are less ideal for this purpose than total solar eclipses due to the sun's ring that remains visible, they still provide valuable data. Indeed, every cosmic event has its unique allure and significance. Thanks, Elias, for sharing the insights and ensuring we are all prepared to safely enjoy this upcoming celestial spectacle. My pleasure, Connie. Everyone, happy sky-gazing. Our next story today takes us to Hollywood, where the five-month writers' strike has finally drawn to a close. The board members of the Writers Guild of America, or WGA as we know it, have given the green light to a contract agreement with the studios. This agreement will allow for the resumption of production. Here to give us a deep dive into the situation is our very own Grace. Grace? Yes, that's right, Connie. Late-night talk shows are expected to be the first to make a comeback, while scripted shows will take a bit more time as the actors continue with their strike. But it's important to note that the finishing line is in sight, with the WGA members expected to cast their vote to approve the contract during early October. This voting process will not hinder the writers from returning to work. So, Grace, can you give us more insight into what this agreement actually entails for the writers in terms of improvement areas? Absolutely, Connie. The three-year agreement pulls in significant victories for the writers. Not only will they see improvements in their compensation, but the length of employment and the size of staffs are also being addressed. Notably, there's a focus on control over the use of artificial intelligence, or AI, a concern raised frequently by the writers. They've also secured new residual payments tied to the popularity of streaming shows and a guarantee of staff members on shows in initial development. Most importantly, the contract ensures that a storyline churned out by AI will not bear the same weight as literary material. So. AI gets a seat at the table in this agreement. Any potential implications of this stipulation? Well, Connie, there's a growing concern regarding the potential use of AI to replace human writers, or at least diminish their role, by ensuring that AI-generated storylines aren't equated to human-created material. The writers are securing their place and role in the industry. Now, this writer's strike does not exist in isolation, does it, Grace? The Screen Actors Guild American Federation of Television and Radio Artists' strike is still on. How does this impact the process? Quite right, Connie. The actors are still on strike, standing in solidarity with the writers, and are pushing for a deal that includes their interests. This could potentially apply more pressure on the studios to negotiate with the actors. Interestingly, this strike 
might even affect the video game industry, pointing to expanding influence. Grace, what has been the overall impact of this strike? Connie, the strike has brought a significant halt in production for many TV shows and films. Late-night talk shows were among the first to be affected when the strike began in May. But with the approval of the contract now, production is expected to start picking up gradually. Lastly, Grace, can you tell us where are the sources behind the content you're sharing with us? Definitely, Connie. Today's data is gathered from a variety of sources, including NBC2 News, ABC News, The Hollywood Reporter, AP Entertainment writer Andrew Dalton, and PBS NewsHour. Thank you for giving us that comprehensive look into the Hollywood writers' strike, Grace. We appreciate your insights. That's all we have for now. Today's episode was made by Alexander King with GPT-4, GPT-3.5 Turbo, the Eleven Labs Text-to-Speech API, and the Google Cloud Text-to-Speech API. I hope you have a great day. I'll see you tomorrow, Alex.